Greetings, ladies and managers, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Humans Don't Make Good Familiars. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Larry Kapsbala's point of view. Oh, crap, the Viking said. You're pretty big, huh? I couldn't communicate with the Viking, not through loyalty at least, so I had no way to answer back. Not that I would know what to say to such a statement, anyway. Was he trying to talk to me? No, he was trying to talk to my familiar. Sentinel began to back up and slowly make his way around loyalty, never once taking his eyes off of him. It seemed he was afraid of loyalty. Suma, as soon as you arrive at the exit, summon me. He was talking to his master, planning to get to the exit quickly so as to not fail the trial. Then don't land, just get close to the ground before summoning me. How far will you push yourself, if properly motivated? I wondered, and came up with a plan of my own. The familiar turned and started quickly moving away from loyalty. I ordered him to follow it from a distance. I want to see how far you'll go, Sentinel. It ran for quite a while, but it wasn't very fast. Not compared to loyalty, at least. He had an easy time following, as the familiar tried and failed to lose him on several occasions all the while talking to its master, at least until he was summoned away. Fine, loyalty, proceed to the gate, forget about the Viking. I myself took to the skies and went to the gate as well. I saw Lady Suma heading away from the gate, just as I landed on a perch near one of the instructors. A moment later, loyalty arrived and officially completed the course. Well, Lorek, the instructor said, you finished sooner than expected, well done. If your familiar needs medical attention, tend to him and send him away. Then report to your evaluation at Field 1 with the rest of the recruits who participated today. They are waiting for everyone to join them before they get started. Yes, sir. I cast a single healing spell on loyalty, just in case he had any damage I didn't know about, and then sent him on way. After that, I flew straight to Field 1. I created a perch and landed amongst a group of the other recruits awaiting their evaluation. I found myself wondering how our familiar's performances would be scored. Shortly after my arrival, Lady Suma and Lady Vindicta approached me and grew perches of their own. Larek, why did your familiar follow Jake? Were you trying to hurt him? Lady Suma asked. Having familiars hurt each other is against the rules, you know that. I am aware of the rules, Madam Suma. Loyalty did not injure your familiar in any way. But he did follow him, Lady Vindicta asked. Yes, he did, said Lady Summer. I admit I had loyalty follow your familiar closely after finding him lakeside. Why? Lady Summer wondered. I thought about how to answer. I knew why I did it, but how do I explain my reasoning? I wanted to find an answer to a question. There is no reason to speak in riddles, Lady Vindicta said. Just tell us why. Your familiar is a Viking, at least according to the rumors. I wanted to find out what he would do and how far he would push himself. My statement caused everyone who had been pretending to ignore our conversation to turn in shock towards us. That's a lie, Lady Summer denied. Jake is no Viking. It's true, Jake explained that, Vindicta tried to say, but Summer covered her beak with a wing to silence her. The point is, Jake isn't a Viking, she said. I imagine the conversation would have continued, but the final recruit and all the instructors of the course arrived together. 
the recruit grew a perch near one of her friends, and the instructors, six in total, grew theirs together in a place where everyone would be able to see. All right, recruits, quiet down, we are going to begin your evaluations. Vindicta and Suma left and went to the perches that they were on before I arrived. The instructors announced how each familiar and master would be scored. They would point out areas where they were impressed and where we fell short. The goal wasn't to pass or fail. Everyone here had already passed by completing the course before the recruit who came after them. These were the instructors of one who passed. Only six of the original fifteen recruits to partake in the course made it. Once they announced how everything would work, they called out to the recruits whom they were evaluating. Mine was Instructor 13. His feathers were a bit lighter than mine, but he was also a fair amount larger. Okay, Lorica, I have a few notes about your familiar loyalty, my instructor said after we had flown away from the group to talk. Don't worry, it's mostly good. He performed well, as you did, but there are a few instances where I feel that you can improve. I look forward to any advice you may have, sir. Firstly, loyalty seems to have handled each obstacle well, save for the lake and crossing Delabai River. I take it your familiar can't swim. That is correct. That's something you'll need to be aware of moving forwards and in battle. A familiar's limitations can be deadly, so you need to plan for them. I think you should try coming up with a way that he can cross water. I'll try, sir. Good. Now I notice he can't move at a consistent pace. Why is that? I believe loyalty is an ambush predator, sir. He can move quickly in bursts, but not prolonged events. He also has the ability to blend into his surroundings. Those are useful traits, but not being able to keep up with faster allies could be a hindrance. There might also be times where you would need him to travel long distances without stopping, so be aware of that. Nah, I don't know how I would fix that, sir, I said confused. You can't, but you may be able to think around it. The limitations of our familiars force us to think strategically and creatively. I understand. That's all I have to say in regards to improving your familiar. But I also wanted to point out instances uh, that I noticed and had questions about. Yes, sir. We talked a while longer. He wanted to know about why I had him do certain things rather than more traditional routes. And he also wanted to know why I had loyalty follow the Viking. I was simply curious about him, sir. I was careful to make sure loyalty knew not to hurt him or interfere with his attempt at taking the course. Hmm, I see. Well, it's true you didn't interfere with the Vi- I mean, uh, Suma's familiar. And I suppose I can't blame you for being curious. However, I'd like to know why you didn't pass him and finish sooner. I dislike the idea of having a Viking as a familiar. No, I loathe it. But the matter at hand is that we are at war. I can tolerate it for now, so long as it benefits the kingdom. End of chapter. Chapter 80 Suma's point of view. The point is, Jake isn't a Viking, I declared. I had more I wanted to say, but the final recruit and all of the instructors arrived. The recruit grew a perch near the group of her friends, and the six instructors grew theirs together on the small race in the terrain. All right, recruits, quiet down. We're going to begin your evaluations. I swallowed my frustration, and Victor and I went back to the perches that we were using before Larrick arrived. The instructor announced how each familiar and summoner would be scored. They would point out areas where they were impressed, 
or we fell short. They weren't going to pass or fail us. Everyone present had already passed by completing the course before the recruit who came after them. These were only the instructors of the ones who had passed, which meant only six of the original fifteen recruits to partake in the course actually completed it. They announced how everything would work, then called out to the recruits that they were evaluating. Sima, if you come with me, my instructor said before flying a little boy and growing two perches for us. Good luck, Vindicta said. I thanked her and met with my instructor. My instructor was the same one who I'd met earlier, the one I talked to when Jake entered the underground portion of the course. I did not realize that you were my instructor, ma'am, I said. That was the point. We needed everyone to give the best, whether or not their own instructor was nearby, so we kept it secret. I suppose that makes sense. Before we begin, did you have a chance to talk with anyone about the runes Jake found? Jake. Oh, right, you're familiar. There's two names. No, I haven't had that time yet, but I will. Anyway, about Sentinel's performance, he is, uh, rather slow, isn't he? If Lauric hadn't slowed down towards the end, you wouldn't be in this room right now. Hearing her say that, she was right. Jake is slower than most familiars. However, you guided him well and used his strengths to his advantage. Thank you, ma'am. It is no secret that you have an unusual familiar. Not just that he can talk and use magic of his own, but also in the way he approaches problems, especially in the latter half of the course. I couldn't help but feel a swell of pride as she complimented Jake. Even though I did not actually do anything, I still liked that he was getting credit that he deserved. However, there are still areas where he needs to improve... He can use magic, but not in a very diverse amount. These approaches may be unique, but they are often simple. Yes, ma'am. But I'm not sure that we can blame Jake for that. He's a chaos mage. Most of the magic he is able to use has been made illegal. The enemy doesn't care about familiars or summoners' situations. They only care about if it plays to their advantage. Sentinel needs to improve his skill with magic, as well as find ways to increase his speed further. I saw him use enhancement magic to cross the lake fast, but that isn't enough. Again, I couldn't disagree. That all being said, I was extremely impressed with his and your performance. You were? But I assumed, uh, based on what you said, yes. He has areas he needs to improve, but his mana reserves and stamina are astounding, and his ability to rapidly learn new magic techniques is unlike any I've ever seen. Not to mention, the way he handled some of the obstacles was impressive. Thank you, ma'am. If he were my familiar, I would use his strength and stamina to compensate for his lack of speed. That's where he shines, anyway. But I thought you said that he needed to get faster. He does, and as soon as possible. But there is no getting around the fact that he is still going to be slower than most of the other familiars, so you should look for ways to use what advantages he does have. I will, ma'am. Thank you. Now, I want to talk to you about his magic. I was there during the battle training. I saw what he was capable of, so... Why is he not training to use more spells like that? Well, um, most familiars don't know magic, and I'm a healing mage, so... Have him report tomorrow to the training and battle mages section of the camp. It will have gone on the same time as the healing mages have their training. I want him to start participating in their attack training to improve his abilities. I... um... Yes, ma'am. End of chapter. Chapter 81. Jake's point of view. Suma, could you wrap me in mana and carry me? I think I'm about to collapse. I asked Suma. My legs burned. My lungs, too. Every square inch of my body ached, despite having already been healed. 
I'm sorry, Jake, but the rules strictly forbid that, and I don't think I could anyway. You're quite heavy. I sighed and trudged onward. Eventually, we made it to the gate, and I collapsed as soon as I crossed it. Finally, I said, relieved and lying motionless on the floor. All I wanted to do was sleep. To me, in that moment, nothing else mattered. Good job, recruits, said a voice from behind us. I ignored it, and I barely heard anything else it said. I think I passed out, if I'm being honest. I woke up later on the floor of my kitchen, freezing cold and with a throbbing headache from hunger. I groaned and moaned as I forced myself up and grabbed a sleeve of crisps, crackers, and bottled vitamin water from my pantry. While this was the first time I had used those heating rooms, it wasn't the first time I'd experienced the post-heating hangover. I looked at my kitchen timer and did some quick mental math. Twelve hours had passed since Suma summoned me. I figured I spent about four hours doing the course, so I had probably gotten about eight hours of sleep after she sent me home. Huh. That's a lot shorter than normal, I said to myself after downing the entire bottle of water in less than 15 seconds. That's like a half the normal time or something. I then found myself wondering something. Suma, I asked. Oh, hello, Jake. How are you feeling? I'm okay. Um, so, uh, did we pass? Yes, we did, but only barely. She sounded disappointed, frustrated. Uh, I see. Uh, well, what happened to that snake familiar? Nothing since it didn't technically do anything but follow you. It didn't break any rules. I confronted Larrick, but I had no proof that he had any ill intentions, so nothing can be done yet, she explained. Jake, there is one more thing. Bad news, I asked. That, um, depends on you. What do you mean? The instructor has ordered that you start attending the attack mage training sessions to improve your magic. It starts in two hours. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense, but should she give a reason? I asked, confused. I mean, you're a healing mage and I'm your familiar, so I just assumed. I said the same thing, but she said she wants you to lean into your strengths and cover your weaknesses. She believes that this is the best way to do that. Well, uh, I'm not opposed to the idea anyway. Um, I guess it could be interesting. What kinds of training do they do? Suma didn't know the answer, but it didn't matter because I found out the hard way two hours later on their training ground. Sentinel, keep your head down and move! The instructor yelled as the group I was assigned to raced across the simulated battlefield. Explosions went off around us as fire magic spells crash-landed nearby. With me were seven Yammer, three of which had names, all riding their own familiars. Even you can't take a hit from one of those spells! Now go, go! Move faster, familiar, one of the named Niyama, who was stuck in the position behind me, chirped. There were eight, including me, fifteen if you included their own familiars. Then I was the fourth position from the front. The point of this training was to learn how to not be bothered by the sound of explosions going off around us by moving along the field out in the open. Our path was clearly marked, and we knew we weren't going to be hit but we still needed to walk as if we were in the low trenches that the Yemma need to fly through while they were transporting supplies on a real battlefield. We performed that training for two more hours, and my ears were ringing the whole time. After we finished, we went to the healer's section to take care of the accidental injuries and fix our hearing. I thought we were done, until the instructor ordered all of us to get ready for attack drills at the field one. Normally, they would all fly there as a group, but I can't fly, and the instructor made us walk there. 
Well, I walked. They rode on their familiars. Once we finally arrived for the drill, the instructor explained how it would work. There are three rules. Always aim your spells at the field, never at your squad. You will shoot at the target until you hit three consecutive times. Finally, if you run out of mana, you do high dives while the rest of your squadron eats lunch. We went two at a time. First was the Niamh called Albo, and another nameless Niamh. Aldo and the other left their perches and landed on the two few meters away from the group. The first to finish was the nameless Niemer, but Aldo wasn't too far behind him. As soon as one finished the task, another took his place, regardless of whether that one had finished. I figured that this was the way to let people study each other's techniques, or maybe as a safety precaution. But I didn't really know. Each Niemer's attacks were different. The first used flame attack similar to the attack Suma used against the Drake to save me. The second used icicles to impale. And the third used lightning attack. The fourth attacked by lifting rocks and dirt and then crushing the target. The fifth and sixth were named Niemma called Temu and Lekep, who used water and wind respectively. Then finally, it was number seven and me. As I stepped up to the perch the others were using, the instructor said, I was told that you have tactical scales, magic, Sentinel. Is that true? Yes, sir, but I'm still a bit unfamiliar with the way spells are ranked. I was told that one of my spells was tactical grade. Show us, he ordered. I thought I wasn't allowed to use magic that powerful in training. That was for healers. This is attack magic. If you have the ability, then do it. If not, then do your next best. End of chapter. Chapter 82 Jake's Point of View As I stepped up to the perch the others were using, the instructor said, I was told you have tactical magic, Sentinel. Is that true? Yes, sir, but I'm still a bit unfamiliar with the way spells are ranked. I was told that one of my spells was tactical grade. Show us, he ordered. I thought I wasn't allowed to use magic that powerful in training. That was for healers. This is attack magic. If you have the ability, then do it. If not, then do your next best. Yes, sir, I said and reached into my backpack to pull out steel ball bearings. Just like last time, I started by envisioning the target becoming magnetized and drawing the ball bearing closer as they approached. Then I created a magical rail system along the path I wanted the ball to flow. The ball would be pulled along by electromagnetism through the air and suspended with my mana. While the spell was pulling the balls along with magnetism, it would also be generating reverse polarity behind the ball, driving it forward. Railgun! I activated the spell and a thunderous crack roared through the air, reducing the target to debris. The whole process felt like it went by faster than the last time. Probably because I'd done it before. That's... The instructor yelled, but then stopped and began speaking more normally again. Ah! That is an impressive spell, Sentinel, but it's too slow for normal combat. Do you have anything faster? Um, well, sir, normally I would use my weapons, but at this distance, I don't know. I tried to say, but was cut off. You can't solely rely on a single ranged attack spell, especially one that needs external components like those metal balls. I want you to try another attack, one that only uses your own magic. Uh, yes, sir, I said, and decided to do a fire spell, one similar to what Sui uses. I'd done more research on fire after that happened in the cave as a way to improve my spell, so I'd been looking for an excuse to use one anyway. 
In just a moment, I had formed a large fireball and launched it at second target. This wasn't destroyed like the first, but it did burn even after the spell faded. Your spells are incredibly strong, but your manifestation of them seem far too slow. You need to increase the speed of your casting, or you'll die as soon as you step into a war. Yes, sir. I understand, I said. He was right. Compared to Suma, Vindicta, or even Von Pack, my casting was at a snail's pace, even if I was stronger than them. How do I do that, sir? Get faster, I mean. The only real way is training, hard and often, but you could also try find ways of quickening your image when building a spell. We call it association training. You have to force a connection between what you want and how it happens. Tell me, what do you do to create fire? He asked. I guess I stop by imagining a flame, then picturing what causes the flame to burn and why, I said. So you create more powerful spells as a result of this image, but you're already strong. You could forego the precision of the image and still manage to form a formidable spell. Then I shouldn't be worried about spell strength, I asked. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you shouldn't worry about spell precision. You're plenty strong as you are, and having a more precise spell will increase that power. But for you, that may not be an issue you should worry about. Okay... I think I understand, I said. Good, then take your last attempt and we will restart from the beginning. I turned back to the targets and did another fire attack. This time, however, I focused on speed instead of perfection or power. Fireball! I shouted. In less than a second, I conjured and launched an attack and hit the target dead center. But there was something different this time. Instead of doing what I would normally do and pull the heat and energy from the environment to create the flames, I just used my pure mana which had an unusual result. For starters, it wasn't as large, maybe only two-thirds my normal size, but it was also hotter, had a different color. Purple flames, one of the recruits behind me said, stunned. End of chapter. Suma's point of view. So Jake is training with the attack mages then, Vindicta asked. We were practicing our healing spells on damaged fruits, Yes, he left to join them a while ago for evasion and shock training. I told her as I cast a spell on my target. A cut, which had been gaping and letting the juice leak out, began to seal. How do you think you'll do? Fine. Well, I believe, but uh, I do not know. I suppose it depends on how hard the instructor makes them train. Mendicta nodded her head in agreement, and the Niamh in charge of our final healing qualifications exam landed on the perch next to us. I see you are faring well, as always, Lady Suma, she said. Indeed, ma'am, I replied. Lady Vindicta, you are doing quite well also. Thank you, ma'am. Um, can I ask how Van Pack is doing? Vindicta asked. The instructor seemed to find her question funny. I'm afraid I'm not allowed to give the specifics about other candidates, but I can tell you he's doing fine. Vindicta seemed pleased. Her head feathers raised slightly, and her besmears glowed just a bit brighter. Anyway, I be prepared. A group of combat cadets is coming from their training sessions, and they need to be healed, I'm sure. We are expecting them soon. Is it the squadron with my familiar assigned to? I asked. I'm sorry, I don't know which one you're speaking of, but it's Squad 3, she answered. Oh, he was assigned to Squad 5, I said, disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to see him. If you're worried, why don't you just talk to him through your private channel you told me about? Vindicta said after the instructor flew away. I considered it, but I don't want to distract him from his training, I explained. 
but that Victor and I refocused on our final qualifications exams. It was hard to believe that we were so close to the end of our tenure at this camp, and we were almost fledged healing mages for the army. Suma, I have a question, Vindicta said softly. You are as good a healer as I am, Vindicta. If you do not know something, it is unlikely I know it either. No, not that. Have you and Jake made your decisions about the Wyverns yet? Yes, will you? We will, I said. Please, be safe. She sounded as if she was about to start singing, but didn't. I'll try. Thank you. After our conversation, however, brief it was, we didn't talk for the rest of the training. Neither one of us could without fear of singing. Hours passed, and eventually Jake made contact and said that he was done with his attack training for the day. I summoned him to me in the forest outside the camp, and we spent some time resting before we needed to go to familiar training together. While we waited, we talked. How was training? I asked. I think it went pretty good. I learned a lot, I think, but uh, that shock training sure was loud, he said, smiling. What did you learn? I wondered. He was already very strong, so I honestly didn't believe that there would be much for him to gain from the training. I learned how to class my spells faster, and a new way to picture my spells. That'll be good to know, I said. Oh, can I ask you a weird question? Is it about Vindicta and Von Pack? I said jokingly. No, everyone already knows about them. I wanted to ask you if having purple flames was unusual. Why? I asked cautiously. Well, uh, when my flames turned purplish-blue during training, everyone seemed kind of freaked out by it, he explained. I held my feelings in for a moment and asked another question. Jake, when you say purple, was it a bright purple or a dark purple? It was a mixture of dark blue and purple, like a northwest purple, not an eminence purple. I don't know what that means. More of a dark blue with purple mixed in. Okay, and why did you make your flames that color? I asked, trying not to panic for his sake. Suma, you're starting to kind of freak me out. I know. Um, what's up? There's nothing to do with you, but I can certainly understand why your squadmates would have become uncomfortable. Why, which is why purple flames were common for the Vikings. Oh. Oh! End of story. Chapter 84. Suma's Point of View Okay, and why did you make your flames that color? I asked, trying not to panic for his sake. Suma, you're starting to kind of freak me out here. What's up? It has nothing to do with you, but I can certainly understand why your squadmates would have become uncomfortable. Which is why purple flames were common for the Vikings. Oh, oh! There was a moment of silence as Jake thought, so, uh... So, what do we do? I, uh... I don't think there's anything we can do. They've already seen the flame, so there would be no point stopping them. I said, ruffling my feathers to break the tension in my wings. But, Jake sighed. <sighs> You're probably right. At this point, it would probably just be more suspicious to stop. Jake rubbed his hands over his face and leaned his head back for a moment. Suma, I know a bit about the Vikings from my world's history. But what do your people know about them? Is there anything else I should try and avoid doing... What do you mean? Like purple flames. Are there any other defining traits I shouldn't do? Things that would make people think I was a Viking? Um, a few things, I suppose. But there were so many legends and myths from the period that what the Viking is and what they could do might be dozens of different things, depending on the country. Okay, let's start with the simple stuff first, he suggested. I took some time and explained what I could remember from what I'd learned or heard over the years. 
It wasn't much more than what he already knew, though. Chaos magic, purple spells, and incredibly powerful. Is that really the extent of what your people remember? He asked. I'm sure there is more, but I'm also sure that I don't know it, I explained. Jake leaned against one of the surrounding trees, seemingly in deep thought. You said the other countries have different views than Vikings, right? Can you tell me about those? I only heard about it from my father, so I'm not sure how reliable it will be, I told him. It's fine. Just curious. Well, when my father was young, he once traveled to an island of Sangu. This was before the fall to the Southern Union. He was a merchant's assistant at the time, and that meant that he would travel to different countries to trade goods. He told me that the Roshaya, that's the, what the people of the island call themselves, were once visited by angry gods they called Vicky, beings created by Chaos Dragon, to sow terror into the realm until his return. And they were Vikings, I explained. So what happened? My father eventually left the island and... No, I mean, what happened to the Roshaya? Oh, I don't know. I was young when he told me the story about them, so he probably left out most of the story, Jake sighed. I know about the Vicky. A voice from behind suddenly announced, surprising both Jake and myself. I was in control of myself midair and fell on my back. At this thud, followed by a groan. I turned to see what happened after regaining my composure and saw Jake kneeling on the ground, holding the back of his head. A low-hanging tree branch had been almost completely snapped off the tree as he was leaning against. My apologies, I didn't mean to frighten you, the voice said. They fluttered down from the branch that they were resting on and landed beside us. It was one pack. Are you okay, Sir Jake? he asked. I'm... He rubbed the back of his head and winced. Ah, oh, fine. I just hit my head when I jumped back. Bond Pack, what are you doing here? I wondered. I, uh, I was a, um... He looked uncomfortable. The feathers on his head were up slightly, and his besmears were slightly brighter. What I was doing is unimportant, but I do know about the Vicky, if you are interested. How do you know about them? Jake asked, standing back up. My family used to be visit the island of Sangu during the winters. The cold wasn't as harsh there, so it was more bearable. Okay, so what do you know? Jake asked. Just a few years after the ravaging, the Roshaya were able to restore peace to their island. It was one of the few places that the Chaos Dragon hadn't visited yet in his rampage. So while they were affected, it was mostly from indirect methods like disturbed weather patterns and fewer fish. The Rishaya eat fish? I asked, disgusted. Yes, it's actually rather delicious, if prepared right. But back to the point. One day, a sea flyer like they had never seen before appeared on the horizon. From it, the Vicky came. At first, they avoided them at all costs. The Vicky settled on the island, furthest point, deep in the wilds of the forest. So seeing them was rare. However, one day, a Niemer, whose name was lost to history approached the Vicky and attempted to drive them off the island with his magic. The Vicky did not take kindly to this. You see, the Rishaya believed the Chaos Dragon chose to spare them for their good nature and sent a portion of his soul to live with them. But when they attacked the Vicky, it angered the Chaos Dragon, so he empowered them to strike down the arrogant and evil hearts. But I thought the Chaos Dragon was the bad guy, Jake asked, confused. He is, I confirmed. The Rishaya are... A strange people, with unusual beliefs. So, let me see if I have this straight. The Rishaya believed the Chaos Dragon gave the Vikings, or Vicky, its power as a way to punish them, Jake asked. Indeed, Von Back said. It is an interesting story, but unfortunately it doesn't help much, 
I said, disappointed. Did the stories mention the Vicky preferring to utilize and special and easily identifiable magical techniques that Jake should avoid? Not to my knowledge, other than death magic and other forms of chaos magic, anyway, Von Pack said. Thanks anyway, Von Pack. It was an interesting story. It's weird hearing all these alternate histories of your world and mine. Cool, though. I'm sorry I couldn't be of more assistance. It's okay. But I do have another question for you, Jake said. Yes? You were on your way to see Vindicta, weren't you? Jake's tone of voice was teasing, almost mocking, really. Von Pack answered Jake's question, not with words, but decidedly turning and flying away. They uh, make a cute couple, I joked, and Jake laughed. End of chapter. Chapter 85 Jake's Point of View Today was the day. We had officially accepted the Major's invite to join the Wyverns, and we had assigned a date on which we would test. I'd been training my attack spells with the attack mage groups for the past two weeks, so now it was the time to put all of it to the test. Our test would consist of three stages, attack spell quality, teamwork, and overall ability. Sumer and I would test as if we were a single entity, since I am a familiar. Boss or veil, we did it together. The testing area that we were in was a patchwork of loose gravel, blue grass, and barren dirt hills. The Major was perched a few feet away from us on a vine column. He decided to personally preside over our test. The first portion of your test will reveal the quality of your spells. Your goal for this test is to destroy ten targets as quickly as possible. He motioned with his wingtip towards a large training dummy that was moving around the end of the training field with ten red targets attached to it. You may use any means at your disposal, and I do mean any means. With that, he looked at Suma and I intently. For the duration of this test, all forms of magic are allowed, even the forms that would have been declared illegal. What? Suma asked, confused. That's not... Why? How? I could lie to you. I could tell you that we only allow recruits who are the best of the best and can use every skill at their disposal to its maximum. That's not why. The truth is, the royal family wants to know what kind of weapon they'll be commanding and what it can do. They have given special permission for today, only. Use every and any form of magic you desire, the Major explained. I didn't know what to say. Suma seemed stunned, shocked even. I could relate. I understand, I said. Jake, Suma wondered quietly. I know, it'll be fine. Besides, I've been curious anyway. My body was shaking, but I wasn't really sure what was causing it. Was it fear, excitement, or something else entirely? But, sir, there is still the issue that I have never used most of the forms of chaos magic before. I'm not sure how it'll go over. He ruffled his feathers and nodded his head. Let me be clear. I'm telling you not to hold back, but that doesn't mean using any of the illegal forms of magic is in any way required. If you feel like that you'll do better without them, then do as you see fit. The royal family wants to know what you can do at your best, not what you can do in totality. That will most likely come later. I see, Suma interjected. Jake, I... I don't know if I can, I... if I... I stopped him. I know. I won't make you do it again, or even if I wanted to. For now, let's just stick with what we know and let the rest happen if needed. Suma sighed, in what I think was relief, and agreed. Now, begin! The Major yelled, and the dummy targets flipped from red to green. Sura and I knew this test was coming. Or something like it, at least. 
so we were prepared. She rushed forwards and began using her flames to attack the targets. She was buying me time, not to cast a big attack spell, but to cast the body enhancement spell she taught me. As soon as it was done, I rushed forward and caught up with her. My heartbeat pounded in my ears, my muscles felt as light as a feather, and my mind was on task. I quickly cast two of my new purple fireballs at the targets, one hit and one miss. The green of the target changed back to red as soon as it was struck. It rang like a gong when the flames of our attacks connected. I pulled out three ball bearings from the small pouch I had attached to my armor and retreated a short distance from the dummy, then warned Suma to do the same. Using what I learned, I cast a smaller scale but faster version of my railgun spell. All three attacks landed. Jake, can you distract the dummy while I attack the remaining targets? Sure. But can this thing even really be distracted? It doesn't have a head. Or a brain. I immediately cast three purple fireballs, which melted through two of the dummy's arms. It slowly lurched around, away from Suma, and started towards me. Huh. I guess so. I launched another two fireballs and then raised the ground between the dummy and I to block its own attacks aimed at me. It was something that I had been practicing with my attack mages. The best offense is a good defense, I guess. Okay, Jake, move back, Suma yelled. I bolted away from the dummy as fast as I could. I didn't see what happened, but there was a loud crash followed by a sound of three gongs. When I turned around, the ground was wet and Suma looked exhausted. That worked, she said between heavy breaths. The attack section of the test is completed. Good job, recruits. The major called out. End of chapter. Chapter 86. Jake's point of view. The attack section of the test is completed. Good job, recruits. The major called out. That was uh, easier than expected, I said. Suma, how did you... What did you do? I didn't see it. It's difficult to explain. In essence, I created a ball of water, then broke it into pieces and launched them at the targets as quickly as I could, she explained, still breathing heavily and now sitting on the ground. I picked her up in my arms and carried her back to the Major. Thank you, Jake, she said. Once back, Zuma recovered enough to perch onto a notch on my armor. Zuma, Sentinel, it is now time to begin the second phase of your test. This is a group section, so follow me to meet with the other participants in today's test. The Major said and began flying away. I walked after him, or tried to, but soon realized that he was going too fast and too far for me. So Suma had to do it despite her exhaustion. She sighed, beating her wings, and flew after the Major. After a few minutes later, she got in contact with me. Jake, I'll summon you, but I need a moment. We aren't going to be starting the next section of the test until the rest of the recruits have finished and arrived. So she sounded run down. That spell must have taken more out of her than I thought. Sure, no problem. I'll just start walking towards you. Maybe you won't even need to summon me, I suggested. Thank you, Jake, she said. I began walking uphill in the direction they flew. The loose dirt made staying steady a tricky. But I managed not to faceplant. More than once, anyway. After reaching the top of the hill, I started to hear a commotion nearby. I could see that, in a nearby field, another Niema and a black serpent familiar were battling a dummy just as Sumer and I had. Larek, I mumbled, annoyed. I watched his battle closely, studying how he and his familiar worked together. They moved smoothly. One moved in from behind, while the other retreated. The snake would attack from behind, while Larek would distract the dummy with attacks from above. 
It didn't take long for them to win. I watched them as they flew off in the same direction that the Major and Suma did, then got a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach when I realized what that meant. Swallowing my irritation, I resumed my walk to Suma. It didn't take long, about 20 minutes to reach them. Thankfully, the area wasn't a dense forest, just a lot of blue hills and fatlands. Suma was perched on a stack of vines, looking a bit less tired, and Larik was also there, perched a short distance away. Suma saw me walking up and flew over to my shoulder. Feeling better? I asked. Yes, a bit. Do you need some mana? I have a dull jar ready to go, I offered. No, uh, I think I should be fine for now, she said. But she didn't sound... Take yourself out. I have plenty of mana for both of us. I'll be fine, Jake, but if I do need any, I will let you know. I would have protested more, but another Niama landed beside us, and the Major interrupted by saying that everyone had now arrived. In total, there were three Niama and three familiars. Larix Black Serpent, myself, and the familiar of the newest Niama who summoned it when he arrived. It resembled some kind of bug crossed with a goat. It had fangs, six legs, horns, and a cream-colored coat of fur. All right, recruits, the Major announced. This portion of the test will be on how well you can operate as a unit. Teamwork is the only way to pass, and failure to do so will fail not only you, but your whole team. Sir, Eric called out. What is it, recruit? The Major asked. Are you saying that in order for one of us to be chosen for the Wyvern Brigade, every one of us has to pass this portion of the exam? That is exactly what I am saying, recruit. In real situations, your team's success or failure can be entirely determined by a single member of that team. If one Yammer fails, you all fail, the Major explained. End of story. Chapter 87. Jake's Point of View. Now you say that in order for one of us to be chosen for the Wyvern Brigade, every one of us has to pass this portion of the exam. That is exactly what I am saying, recruit. In real situation, your team's success or failure can be entirely determined by a single member of that team. If one Yama fails, you all fail, the Major explained. Fantastic, I mumbled. Through our private connection, I could faintly sense Suma's feelings as well. It caught me off guard for a second, as it isn't normal for me to be able to do that. Usually, it only happens when she's feeling something strongly, like when we were being attacked in the alley, and she was afraid. This time, she felt... annoyed? Or maybe nervous? Possibly both. Your mission is to defend your position against an attacking team. The winner of this exercise will decide which teams move on to the third section, and which is dismissed immediately... The Major explained. Oh, so it's like capture the flag, I thought to myself. How will victory or defeat be decided? The other Niyama, whose name, assuming that he had one, I guess, I didn't know, asked. The Major then used magic to lift a large silver metal sheet with several teal-colored symbols in the center into the air and place it into a rusty pole. With this, the enemy succeeds in destroying or taking this crest, then you lose... However, if you are able to withstand their attacks and defend this crest, or you attack and destroy their crest, then you win, the Major explained. Then, two Niyama flew to the Major's sides, both using mana wrapping to carry a huge hourglass and placing it by the Major. You will have until the last grain of sand falls from the top of the bottom, and this device. It is literally captured the flag, I thought in surprise. 
You will not have long to think about a strategy before the section begins. Get to it. He finished. With that, the others and I gathered together. In order to form a proper strategy, we will need to know everyone's strengths and weaknesses. The new Niema said, I'm sorry. What's your name? I asked. I do not possess one, but my cadet number is two. He replied. Jake, please do not do it. Suma begged over our private connection. I... I wasn't going to, I stuttered. It'll be good to work with you again, Sir Larrick, the two said. And you as well, he replied kindly. You know each other, I asked. Yes, we were on the same team during the climb up Dragon's Horde, two said. Suma interrupted to get us back on track. I specialize in bonding magic and healing magic, and my weakest form is soul magic. I specialize in only nature magic, and I can use all types exceptionally well. As for weaknesses, I am rather untalented in any aspect of soul magic as well, Narek stated. I'm a chaos mage. I guess I'm pretty good at attack spells, but I'm still kind of slow to use them. I'm way better with my weapons, though, I said. I am a soul magic user. Specifically, I specialize in illusion magic and emotion magic. My weakness is energy magic. I'm afraid I can't even form a single fire spell, to explain. Yes, I remember you mentioned that. Like me, you prefer to fight with your own specialty than any standard attack spells, Larrick mentioned. So, how do we use that to our advantage, I wondered. We need a plan that puts everyone where they would be most useful. You are correct, to acknowledge. Larrick, of the three of us, you are the most versatile and four, I corrected flatly. One eyebrow raised, but he wouldn't know what that meant, so it was pretty pointless in hindsight. Yes, sir, uh, four of us. You are the most versatile and best suited to defend the crest. I think you should stay close to it. While the rest of us attack and intercept the other team, Two said. You might be correct, but I'm not sure I can defend the crest alone, even with loyalty by my side, Larrick said. But if Suma and Two stayed behind, and the other one and I attacked, I suggested. But Jake, Suma started, but I stopped her. I know, but we need to win. I don't like splitting up any more than you do, but you're not an attack mage. You'd better be off staying here with Larrick while Two and I tried to destroy the flag, I told her. It might work, Two said. Suma seemed to dislike the plan, but agreed. Fine, she said. It is our best solution, Larrick agreed. But please leave the close-range fighting to me, Madam Suma. She nodded her head. All right, recruits, time's up. We heard the Major yell from a distance. This section begins uh, now. Well then, Sir Sentinel, let us be off. Two said and flew to my armor's perch on my shoulder. End of chapter. Chapter 88. Jake's Point of View. All right, recruits, time's up. He heard the Major yell from a distance. The selection begins uh, now. Well then, Mr. Sentinel, let us be off. Two said and flew to my armor's perch on my shoulder. Which way? I asked. I'll fly up and try to find it. Uh, just a moment. Two sir, and with a few flaps, Willie was airborne. He went for pretty high, over a hundred feet at least, then came back down and landed on my armor again. That direction, he said, with a gesture of his wings. I cast an enhancement spell, and Suma tore me, and started running towards the enemy camp. I felt like I was running pretty fast, but two seemed unimpressed. Is this as fast as you can go? At the moment, yeah, I answered. But if I dropped my armor, I could pick up speed. That would mean that you wouldn't have a perch, though. 
We need to get there as quickly as possible. Do what you need to do. I'll fly beside you. He spread his wings out and began to glide alongside me. All right, I said, and then sent Jericho away. Once I was gone, I started to move much faster. Now that I wasn't being weighed down, a bit better, but it would still take us some time at this speed. What about mana wrapping? Couldn't you just carry me or something? Certainly not. You're far too large. Anyway, that is a mana-intensive skill. It wouldn't be a good idea to use it before combat. Suddenly, a bit more movement in the distance caught my eye. What's that? I asked. Two looked to where I pointed. It's a member of the opposing team, he said. How can you be so sure? I can see them. From this distance? Can you not? No, not in detail. They look more like a speck to me. I do not recognize them. They're most likely not a healing mage. Attack mages, I asked. No support mages. I thought about asking what a support mage did, but now wasn't the time. Will they attack us? They are not flying at us. They are probably heading to our crest. Malmonsuma and Lorik. You cannot turn back now. I'm not going to. Suma and I can talk with each other no matter how far we are apart. I see. Then that is a good idea. Suma, Tu and I just spotted someone heading to you and Larik. Be careful. Thank you, Jake. We will be, she said. Suma's point of view. Larik, Jake just told me that he and Tu spotted a mage flying this way. Larik was perched on top of our crest, watching the sky. I can't see them yet. We'll have to some time. Uh, we should prepare. He cast a spell that raised a large cylindrical column of rock around the crest, so that it was only visible from the top. This will be our last line of defense. Larrick, you asked me to let you handle the close-range fighting, but what did you want me to do? I suppose I should have been clearer. I want you to support me from afar. You have flame spells, right? Yes, I do as well, but as I said, nature magic is my specialty. Nature magic can't be used effectively at long range, but it is nearly unstoppable close range. Please use your fire spells to attack the enemy from a distance and cover me if I get overwhelmed. Okay. I can understand, but we need a plan, I said. There, in the distance, I see them, Larrick announced. We don't have time, Lady Silver. Please find a perch that will best allow you to see the area. But that isn't too far. Larrick then landed on the ground. I summon you, loyalty! His black serpent appeared, and they both readied themselves while I found a perch on the top of a nearby hill. The serpent hid itself in one of the patches of tall grass on the hill with the crest. The tension and the air was thick. I could feel my feathers standing on end, but Larrick seemed unfazed by any of it. He returned to his perch on the column surrounding the crest and waited. It was only a single mage who arrived, but it was soon clear why. Without a word, he launched three attacks. Larrick intercepted two of them with his magic, but the third one hit the column directly. Maya spells. Powerful ones. End of chapter.